Welcome to this podcast on the 16 stages of narcissistic abuse and the coercive control laws within the UK. Now, we're going to cover the 16 stages, not in detail, because there's a lot of information to cover. And we're starting with phase one. And this is where people get drawn in with a narcissist. And there are some early warning signs, although it's almost impossible to see unless you know what you're looking for. Now, stage one is where a narcissist is analysing your suitability. And they're going to start with a charm offensive with intensity and at speed. And what they're looking for is, for example, are you quite empathic? Because they're likely to tell you a life story which is either true or false. It's often false with lies, but you won't know that until sometime later. They'll also be intently asking you questions and you may feel flattered by their seemingly genuine desire to get to know you. That's not actually the case. They're trying to elicit information to understand a little bit more about whether you can be manipulated or controlled. There's also going to be some kind of sudden urgency within this first phase and a sudden withdrawal and then return. Now, the questions are to understand how you can be exploited. So, for example, there may be mirroring, pretending to share the same ideals, beliefs and commonality. They may question you and listen intently. They may also give you the solution to your needs and be your saviour. They all may also pretend to have similar heartfelt stories. As you open up, they may say, oh my goodness, I had the exact same experience, even if that's actually a lie. And they may be trying to find whether you have vulnerabilities. For example, are you isolated in any way? Is there a broken relationship? Is there any kind of bereavement? And what is your support network like? They may also ask you to keep a secret very early on. There's also false flattery, false empathy, and there's glib promises and future dreams. And this will be around your ideal life and your fairy tale. Now, there's also the speed and pressure, which we introduced at some point. And this will be where they move very quickly to proclaim that they love you and you are the one and they want to form a relationship quickly with you or move in together. You may also be encouraged to break your own boundaries very early on. And it's very subtle, but it's there. Oh, can't you just make an exception for me? Oh, go on. What's the harm in just? Or there may be flirtation to just make you break your own boundaries of what you would normally do. This is a way that they test you. Now, phase two is the first level of control tactics. And this is very commonly called love bombing which is the showering of affection, the trips, the flowers, the meals, where they want commitment. There may be gifts and grand gestures, and they make you feel incredibly special and pedestaled and the one. There may be declarations of love, devotion, pet names, and soulmate references. They're also going to be very charming with friends and family. But also within this is a withdrawal and return because they can't keep this false facade up for too long and they may need to cover up some of the lies that they're telling you and they may also be seeing multiple people. If you see through these initial love bombing tactics at this point, you may well be discarded and suddenly abandoned if you question them in any way. Whilst it may hurt, it can also be a blessing in disguise if a narcissist exits your life at this point. 
Now, phase three is the commitment, control and compliance. And once a commitment has been made, for example, moving in together, they may start changing their behaviours. And there may be numbers of control tactics, such as narcissistic rages. There may be compliance through fear of abandonment, for example. And there may be private shock tactics because they're testing your loyalty. And in fact, they will ask and demand your loyalty within the relationship and to keep quiet about things. And it's also uh, very often these um, initial commitment and control tactics are done when the influence of others is not around. And they begin this isolation process. Friends and family may start to notice changes to you, your moods, your plans changing, and you may overly positively represent the narcissist. Now, at this point, there's also some confusion because you thought you were going into a relation with one type of person, with all these future dreams and the promises and the alignment of everything you thought you knew about this person. And suddenly this nice facade starts to slip. And it's called cognitive dissonance, which is a big word, but it means where you have two conflicting beliefs and it causes unease and discomfort. It's really, you know, your stomach's in knots at this point because you think that you're with this person that you thought you knew and you knew everything about them. But then you have this conflicting belief that there's this reality of your situation because of these behaviours that are unacceptable. Now, phase four is where you try perhaps to leave the relationship and there is a trap moment. At this time, other people may not even be aware of what's going on. And for you, it may be a terrifying realisation that there's this abuse and it won't stop and you're paralysed to act. Now, at this point, there may be further isolation. There may be taunting, mocking, goading, those circular arguments, those setups, the gaslighting, mind manipulations, vague accusations, and your freedom of movement. And it's a very daunting place to be. Phase five starts to move into coercive control, which is governed by UK law. And this is a point where a victim may exhibit erratic behaviours. Now, this is where there's increased and regular psychological and physical abuse or assault, financial abuse, deprivation of basic needs, your sleep, your food. There may be humiliation, threats of harm or actual harm. There may be threats to reveal private information. They may monitor your time, your location with spyware. They may try and control what you wear, when you sleep, who you see, what you say, and there may be repeated put downs. This is coercive control and it is under coercive control law within the UK. Now, phase six is interesting because it's food and mealtime abuse that isn't often spoken about with narcissists. But there's very often this belief that they're superior at cooking it some way and they know better, often even better than experts. Food is often what they want when they want it and it may have to be prepared and at an exact time. They control what is eaten and that could in- con- include controlling what you eat. There's also the questioning if you ask for something different. Are you sure that's what you want? And they may serve you up food you dislike deliberately as a punishment. You may not be able to leave the table. Food may be thrown, served up again and again, or you may be forced to eat it. And there's also maybe this control around finances around food, what you can and cannot buy. Now, phase seven is the deepening coercive control methods in the relationship. And 
This is where there may be gaslighting and mind manipulation. This is where they start to question your sanity, your memory of events repeatedly. They may rewrite history. They may move objects, switch lights on and off. And there can be inhumane and degrading techniques, maybe even interrogation and brainwashing, where you're repeatedly being told what you should be thinking. Now, outside of the relationship, they are also recruiting false witnesses and they are likely to lie and place blame on the victim. They imply the changes in the victim's behaviour are for other reasons, such as medication, and they will very often lead the conversation outside of the home. You also may see that they get the victim to agree publicly to things they may not have done because the victim is afraid to speak out of the consequences. Now, this deepening coercive control method is reliant on other people not fact-checking. So most people don't bother to ask both parties and they also don't bother to check their facts. So they can very easily move among all of us with these lies. Phase eight is where a victim starts to normalise abuse. And there is some level of acceptance by the victim that they just simply can't leave. All methods of abuse may keep escalating and they settle into abnormal routine of compliance. There may be within phase nine, assault, cruelty and violence. And it's both common that it can be threats for violence to the victim and to the victim's family and friends. So it can paralyze somebody to do anything. The victim may be experiencing extreme internalised emotional pain and friends and family be suddenly become distant because they may have tried to help a victim but they can't get through. So they tend to distance themselves and they find that the victim is being isolated even further. Phase 10 is the on-off cycle of abuse. There may be up to seven attempts to leave the relationship, resulting in the charm offensive to win a victim back if somebody manages to get away. There'll be withdrawal symptoms because of the intensity of the relationship. It can feel quite deafening um, to have that silence. You may be trauma bonded, there may be loneliness, or you may be staying because of money, home security, just for your survival. Phase 11 is the effects of abuse on mind and well-being. So this is where you definitely need to seek professional help. There may be depression through to PTSD or even suicidal idealisation, so do seek professional help there. Phase 12 is preparing to leave. This is where you often need evidence and you need to plan, but you need to leave very quickly and safely. Again, gathering evidence and important documents is only if it is safe to do so, but you must get professional help from domestic abuse charities because it's a very dangerous time. Now, phase 13 is the snap leaving moment. And this is where you may suddenly realise the truth of the situation. You believe you cannot get any worse and you may have to act to protect yourself, your children, your animals. You may even fear for your life. Phase 14 is leaving and the leaving dangers. This is where you may need to get an injunction to stop the narcissist keep returning, something called a non-molestation order at court. You may have to leave everything you own for your own safety, but do get professional help. There are charities there to help you do this. Don't do it alone and be prepared for those guilt tripping or heartstrings that a narcissist will play to try and get you back. Phase 15 is where you have to protect yourself and defend yourself after leaving because narcissistic attacks may well increase. This is where you have to learn to speak out because there may well be threats. 
you need to seek professional help. Again, the um, domestic abuse charities will help you do that. Don't do it alone. Be safe through a charity. Friends and family are can be there to help and support you, but they may not be able to understand the complexity of leaving a narcissistic relationship. You may have to move away, change your name. You certainly need to look at your security. You may need to look at your finances, your money, your work and career. So phase 16 is when you've safely managed to get away and it's the end of the abuse. And this is where there's eight stages of recovery that can start. And this period starts when you've managed to get away. I hope this podcast has been of use to you and of interest. If you want to hear more, please do go to i-recovered.co.uk and find out more about what we're doing. Thank you.